I'm Miriam. And I'm Elise. Two friends bound by the love of books. Taking on the world one chapter at a time. This is the Bookbound Besties Podcast. Hey, Bookbound Besties! Welcome to episode five of season one of the Bookbound Besties Podcast. Today we will be talking about Fourth Wing chapters 13, 14, and 15. But before we get into it, let's catch up a little bit because you are a little bit into Ruthless Vows. I'm ahead of you in the book. Mm -hmm. And you've also started A Court of Frost and Starlight. And I really want to know what your thoughts are so far. (laughs) So I'm like halfway through both right now. So uh, Ruthless Vows, yeah, I'm about halfway. And I'm just so happy to like be back in that universe like the universe itself is beautiful and the magic of it all is beautiful but it's the words just like get me like in my soul (laughs) I know everything is so poetically written I I find in the series overall and the characters are so eloquent the language that is used is so refined I just it's a joy to listen to absolutely and I'm just so glad to be back with the dual narration it's such a pleasure yeah yeah, yeah. It's it's been great. I'm like yeah, halfway, so like nothing tragic has happened yet, but I'm always afraid of the end of books. So we'll yeah. See. We'll see how I feel next week. I have an hour and twenty five minutes left and I'm like, oh I had to take a break because my heart couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, anyway, so I know it's coming for me, but uh at the moment I'm happy to be reading it. Yeah. So. And then yeah, Frost Frost and Starlight. I'm about halfway and uh it's it's good. It's just very, like, cute, I guess. I don't know. Like, I guess, to be honest, it's a nice break from the terror that was Wings and Ruin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So a lot of SJM fans Mm -hmm. will say that Frost and Starlight gives off kind of, like, fan fiction vibes. Okay. It's like, we've just been with these characters for three books. They've all been through it during those three books. So we are... It's almost a reward mm-hmm. to be experiencing just this nice, happy, festive time with them. Yeah. And it's nice to get to know characters in a low stakes environment. Yeah. We're just getting to know them as people and we're experiencing the development mm-hmm. of their relationships and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is just nice. It's a warm hug. Yeah. But what I will also say is that Frost and Starlight has a lot of multiverse clues. So a lot of people actually will skip Frost and Starlight or they will mm-hmm. denigrate it. They don't enjoy it. And that's because you don't have the big picture yet. Yeah. Once you do, there are many, many Easter eggs. Yeah. You had mentioned that to me. So I'm like trying to a little bit pay more attention to like names of people in other like camps and whatever, just to try to get like the general like world building uh, idea. Cause I'm not good with names. So, but now yeah. I'm like reading with a purpose. You don't need to remember um, names. Don't put too much pressure on yourself but, for that. Yeah. It's just Pay attention to certain things. We're going to be exposed to some new locations mm-hmm. that are going to potentially well, be important. Too, yeah. We're meeting certain characters. So focus more on the characters themselves rather than their names. Yeah. But that's what, like, I'm trying to pay attention to the people in the locations oh, okay. and stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So that, and also I like that we're getting more of Cassian. Yeah. And the fact that it's multi, well, multi-view it isn't really because like Farah's chapters are still in her like first person and the other ones aren't they're yes. in third person yeah but it's still from their point of view yes so it's kind of a different different read absolutely so Silver Flames mm-hmm. is third person oh so we will be getting more than one point of view yeah in Silver Flames okay but it won't be first person like Akatar, yeah, yeah Akamath and Akawar were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, if it's done well, it's done well. So I, it's just nice, I guess, a nice little break between, because I'm assuming the next one is going to be full of hardship too, so. <laughs> My lips are sealed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, I wanted to tell you something because I haven't told you yet and I thought yeah. you'd get a cute little okay. kick out of this. Yeah. So Nicole Q. Yeah. Has been texting. She just finished Fourth Wing and Iron Flame. Okay, and she's been texting me randomly (laughs) over the last few days. I'll just get a random text like, "What do you think of this?" and "What are your thoughts on that?" And I love it so much. I I think it's so cute. And this is why I'm so happy that we're building this community and that we are finding people who have the same appreciation that we do for the books that we're reading. And it just really makes it feel like a fun little club of friends and. 
Absolutely. I mean, like, I think we're both pretty active in our DMs and like we've had like, basically like we're like fangirling along with other people over these books. And like, we're obviously, I mean, we can't answer every single comment and stuff, but like in our DMs and stuff, we're trying to be active and we're talking about books with like people we've never met. And like, that's cool too. And obviously our circle of friends are all getting sucked into this little community. So that's fun. Yeah. I'm feeling the support. I love yeah, it. <laughs> I know. It's fantastic. Okay. Let's get into the chapters yes. because that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. And they are really good. They Things are, yeah. are really, really ramping up. Oh, yeah. So let's hear your synopsis for chapter 13. Okay. I cannot wait. It's threshing day and the cadets nervously venture out to find their dragon. They must follow their gut instincts in hopes that it will guide them to their dragon. Violet spots the golden feather tail and catches wind of Barlow's plan to kill it. She decides she must save it, throwing herself in the way of Barlow. Jack's crew is interrupted by the scalp-prickling arrival of Zayden and Segal. <laughs> the scalp-prickling arrival. I knew you would love that. <laughs> I, I did. That was excellent. Thank that you. was great. I love that little... You know what? I felt like that little sentence was just for me. It was. <laughs> it was fully a nod to you. Okay, let's as always, talk about the pre-chapter blurb. Yeah. And the pre-chapter blurb comes from Colonel Kaori's Field Guide to Dragonkind. And it says, there is nothing quite as humbling or as awe-inspiring as witnessing threshing for those who live through it anyway. So, I mean, listen, we know we're going to be yeah. in threshing yeah. today. So it's nothing surprising, but mm-hmm. nice little, nice little blurb. It's not as foreshadowy mm-hmm. or in no, the... but I did... Um, like obviously pay attention to who wrote it and it's Colonel Kaori and I paused to giggle at the Colonel Colonel, because (laughs) of last week but also I was like we need to look up why we spell it that way like Colonel yeah other than it maybe the being the French way but like why didn't we change it for English I I need to know the history okay so that actually makes me think of something um because in Ruthless Vows and, well, particularly in Ruthless Vows, there's a lieutenant. Are lieutenant and lieutenant the same thing? Just different ways of pronouncing the same word? Oh, I don't know. Not that this really matters. It's not really relevant to our current conversation, but it just made me think of that because it's another military term that potentially is the same word with two pronunciations or it's, I'm way off base and it's two different words. My military knowledge isn't great. I know, me too. My grandfather was part of the Air Force in Egypt, but yeah, I don't really know much. I think the Air Force is different than the Army. Okay. <laughs> Something that actually could be a little bit jarring is that this chapter opens with an actual day of the week. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of yeah. jump out at you? Well, it made me wonder if I missed days of the week like in the past or or, or like book? or time of day or time of year or something because she specifies it's October 1st. Yeah. So that's exactly what I wanted to point out yeah. to you because the days of the week in this book are days of the week that we are familiar with. Mm-hmm. In many fantasy novels, there's a general allusion to the passage of time um, through days of days generally, mm-hmm. weeks generally, mm-hmm. months generally, mm-hmm. and seasons. And seasons are usually named as warm, cold seasons or in relation to solstices. Mm-hmm. But actual days of the week are mentioned with the exception of Divine Rivals where they actually have unique days of the week. And I think their week is only five days long yeah. in Divine Rivals. And it's attached to like their the gods. gods. Yeah. So yeah, which our days of the week are also like from gods from back when? Like isn't really? it Norse? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Learn something new every day. Like Thursday is Thursday. Oh, makes perfect sense. I'm doubting it now. No, that makes perfect I, sense. I'm pretty sure like from long ago. Anyway, they like straight up say October. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would have giggled if it was October 3rd. I I had the same <laughs> thought, especially with the Mean Girls musical coming out and stuff. I've been thinking about Mean Girls a lot. I don't know if you know this, but that that's how Justin and I started hanging out is he pulled a Mean Girls on me. What do you mean? He <laughs> pretended... To be bad at math because I I've mentioned on the podcast before that my husband and I met in math class and he would always he would sit right behind me and he would always turn bright red anytime the teacher would introduce a new concept or talk about something more difficult. Yeah, there was him, me, and this like third guy who was our third wheel, and we were all taking the same classes because we were all trying to get into business school. So we said, oh, we'll study, we'll all study together, and Justin somehow finagled that he couldn't understand the quadratic function. We were taking linear algebra. Okay, tangent. 
I had to retake linear algebra. I had taken it in SAGEP, our college, and I had gotten 69 in the class and mm-hmm. you needed 70 to be exempt from Mm-hmm. retaking it in university. That was kind of the minimum grade requirement. Had I known that I needed one extra percent, I would have hustled the teacher. Like, please give me extra credit or just yeah. be nice and bump me up 1%. Why do you care? Yeah. But had I not had 69, I wouldn't have been in this class and met Justin. But anyway, I obviously knew everything mm-hmm. in the class. I just did poorly on the in my CJEP class. So when he said that he didn't understand the quadratic function, obviously I thought he was really cute. So I was like, oh, I'll teach it to you. And <laughs> The number of times I explained the quadratic function to this guy, words cannot describe. I don't... But he was faking? Yeah, he was faking. So I would come home after studying with him at the library or whatever, and I would tell my parents, oh, I met this guy. He's so cute, but he's really dumb. I don't understand how many times I have to explain the same thing over and over. And he will say today that I'm a terrible teacher. I know for a fact I taught the quadratic function in an excellent way because I had to explain it so many different ways because he wasn't he quote unquote wasn't wasn't getting getting it it. yeah that's really funny yeah you guys you guys are too funny (laughs) um we still kind of like play tricks not tricks like that but we kind of mess with each other like that too one day I'll explain the story of how he proposed because that was the epitome of yeah fake oh yeah, yeah 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 for sure anyway so it's October 1st it's threshing day and Violet reiterates I will not die today. I wrote that too. And I love that it's become like her mantra. Word for word. What (laughs) I wrote. (laughs) Clearly we're spending too much time together. Uh, There's no such thing. That's so cute. I I just loved it. And like, I'm just like more and more filled with hope. Not that I ever doubted her because I've always like thought she had fight in her, but like more and more I'm like, she's got this. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, it's a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. We are now down to 147 cadets. That mm-hmm. means 46 of them mm-hmm. will leave threshing unbonded or or dead. Worse, yeah. <laughs> this is grim. This is stressful. This is anxiety-inducing. Yeah. There's still, like, I was like, oh, there's still a lot of them who aren't getting a dragon. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a big number. So we're presented with that. And then also we're presented with, like, Dr. Dr. Professor. Professor. <laughs> Kaori explains that they kind of just have to go with their gut feeling to to find their dragon. And I, I like that a lot because I think it just reinforces the type of bond that they have with their dragon if they do find a dragon. I find that so funny. You think it's nice. And I was like, this is a little woo-woo for me. <laughs> <laughs> I am woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. Like, if I were a cadet, I would want a little bit more information yeah. as to what to expect. Like, this is a scary encounter they're about to have. Just saying like, oh, you'll know, or it's going to be a feeling you're going to have. It's like, listen, dude, give yeah. me something. Give me, throw me a bone. I, I see where you're coming from. I do. But uh, yeah, no, I had the opposite reaction. I just, I think because their connection with the dragon needs to run that deep. So like, yes. you need to have that like Well, when we draw. eventually have that relationship with the dragon then you it's like when people say oh when you know you know Mm -hmm. when you like fall in love with someone Mm -hmm. or when you find the person you're gonna marry but before you've actually experienced Mm -hmm. that and people tell you that you're like okay but but what does that mean yeah Yeah. so I kind of feel for them because it's such a high stakes encounter that they're about to have Mm -hmm. that not having additional details of what exactly they can expect to feel is kind of scary yeah and I mean, and we see it like Violet is kind of like, well, what do I do? Yeah. Her I internal monologue anything. is like, what going is going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to broach this, but you know how we, we've both been saying that every time Dane is on the page, he's convincing Violet to leave and we both see red. Mm-hmm. He's not even on the page mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's already pissing me off. <laughs> like apparently he's also pissing Rhiannon off because... She just can't take it anymore. She's yeah. just like... She literally says, and I wrote it, because, well, Violet brings up Dane, I think, or something, or says something about him. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, because of what he wants, or I don't even Selective know. Memory. Selective memory. Selective memory. But Rhiannon says, Dane lost his vote when he tried talking you into leaving. And she's just like shutting it down. She's like, yeah. no, no more Dane. Yeah. He doesn't get a vote. Yeah. He doesn't matter. And I'm just there like, good job, Rhiannon. Yeah. You know what I love? <laughs> and this could be like, Whatever. I love when a friend is more pissed off about a situation that's happening to you than you are. Yeah. You just feel like someone has your back so, oh my God. so much. Yeah, yeah, And 
I just like that Rhiannon exhibited a more visceral reaction to Dane's shitty behavior Mm -hmm. than Violet did. And it kind of also is like a, not like a bench, I guess a benchmark or yeah, a barometer Mm -hmm. for the reaction you should have. Because when someone is more objective, like Rhiannon is, Rhiannon doesn't have the, let's say 15 years of history, history and friendship that Violet does. So I kind of trust her reaction more than I do Violet. 100%. 100%. I mean, like, it's always easier to have better judgment when you're not involved, right? Yeah. So she doesn't have any stakes in this, and this is what she's seeing, and she's like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I, she's a good friend. She is a good friend. Jack Barlow is now making a reappearance with a creative villain move of the hand across the neck. Yeah. Signifying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, like, like staring Violet down and being like, you're, you're next. You're going to meet. Yeah. And yeah. he now has a little crew of Oren, who was the guy that Violet poisoned on her first sparring match, mm-hmm. and Teen and Tynan. And this kind of threw me off the Teen and Tynan bit because I thought that after the gauntlet, when the squad kind of put him in his place and they were just like, why are you listening to Jack Barlow? Blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I thought that maybe he'd have a change of heart, but obviously not. It was kind of disappointing. I was disappointed in our I mean, Teen and Tynan. I mean, he, yeah, he's kind of like, shown that he's not very smart and he's like kind of a follower so Mm -hmm. I I guess I wasn't I wasn't really uh expecting much from him (laughs) it's like crab and Goyle and Draco yeah a hundred percent it is that um although I would say Jack Barlow is way worse than Draco yeah maybe maybe yeah I don't know maybe I haven't read it in a while but I feel like Jack Barlow is like really intense no Draco there's a little sad boy in Draco I feel for Draco. I feel for Draco, too. So they kind of just say their goodbyes between uh, Rhiannon, Riddick, and Violet. Yeah. And then they're off to find their dragons. Yeah, because Professor Kaori basically told them that their odds are better if they split up, mm-hmm. which is counterintuitive, but also not counterintuitive because I guess it gives them the opportunity to actually have that uninterrupted and uninterfered Mm-hmm moment with Mm -hmm. uh whatever dragon they bond with yeah and i think if they're supposed to be like listening to their intuition and stuff too like you shouldn't be like chatting with friends yeah exactly you need to kind of center yourself and yeah and give yourself wholly to the process absolutely and before they all kind of split up professor kaori tells the cadets that they basically have until nightfall to bond wishes them luck and then eats yep (laughs) yep Oh, and also it's mentioned, I think the second and third years are scattered around yeah, to observing. watch. Yeah, but yeah. we know they're not allowed to interfere. Yes. <laughs> the scene changes and Violet fills us in on the dragons that she's seen and hasn't bonded mm-hmm. with. She's seen every color and hasn't experienced the quote unquote feeling mm-hmm. that Professor Kaori mentioned. Yeah. What I want to say though, is that these dragons are individuals. So just because she's encountered a dragon of every color means nothing. Yeah. So that was kind of, for such a smart girl, that was kind of a little, I guess, lapse in judgment or... I think she's just feeling lost in general. Like she she never thought she would get to this point. Yeah. And she's probably still in awe that she has gotten to this point. So probably. So she's kind of like, oh, I didn't think I'd need to get to this point. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. You know? Or like, like be prepared for yeah, this point. Exactly. Yeah. That's totally fair. Violet decides to climb a tree. Yeah. To kind of get a lay of the land and figure out maybe she could spot some dragons and a shimmer catches her eye uh, from across the field and she spots the golden dragon. Yeah. Which is the tiny little guy that we've met. The golden snitch with legs. (laughs) The golden (laughs) snitch with legs. While she's up in the tree, she overhears Jack Barlow. Yeah. With his little posse. So first of all, they didn't listen in terms of like, don't travel in a pack, obviously, whatever. We know they're not very smart. But she overhears them talking about uh, wanting to kill the golden yeah. dragon. Yeah. So I kind of noted when she spots them in the from the tree that, of course, they would think that the rules don't apply to them. Of course. And I feel like Jack is, I hate to admit this, I think he's not wrong, but basically what she overhears is, I, I'm not sure if it was Tina and Tynan or Orin who's like, oh, shouldn't we be trying to bond with our dragons? And Jack says, our dragon is going to wait for us. You know, he's not really concerned about bonding quickly. Cause, mm-hmm. And the thing is, that's what I hate to admit that he's not really wrong about. Because if the bonding relationships are somewhat predestined, mm-hmm. then whether or not they wait to see the dragon they're meant to bond with 
it shouldn't really have an impact on the bonding. Yeah, I guess. It just feels disrespectful. Like, I Okay, I think, but, like, we understand oh, that Jack Barlow is not the epitome of respect oh, to yeah, dragon yeah. kind. It, I think it's just, again, reinforces the fact that, like, he does not understand that the dragons are calling the shots and the dragons are the ones that are in charge and humans should be respecting them. Like oh, absolutely. He's, it, it's still not in his uh, thick skull. Did this scene not remind you of the Hunger Games, though? Which part of the Hunger Games? So Katniss is yeah. sleeping in a tree and oh, the careers yes. come along talking yes, about... Yes, yes, About wanting, wanting to, to kill, kill her. her. And yeah. like Peter's with them and everything. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's like almost the same scene. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that. Well, yeah. they, except they weren't talking about killing her. They were talking about killing well, the little the dragon. Gra- dragon, yeah. But at first she's like, oh no, they're, they're coming for to kill me, me. Yeah. because of what he said. So anyway, yeah. I just thought that was a, a funny little... Yeah. I guess in line with that is just the supreme arrogance. The Kurs were supremely arrogant because they had reason to be because they were so well-trained for yeah. the Hunger Games. But here, Jack and Oren and Tina and Tynan are so arrogant because let's just ask ourselves, why on earth would these three dinguses <laughs> think that they should be the ones to take out the little golden dragon because it's quote-unquote for the best? Mm-hmm. If it actually were, then either the leaders of Biscayeth would have done something about it or actually, more likely, dragon kind would have gotten rid of the little golden dragon. Yeah. Because there's a reason that Feathertails don't bond. So if this dragon is out there, it must be for a reason. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. the rest of Dragonkind would have had to be on board with this Feathertail dragon being out for threshing. And that's it. Like, that's all we need to to know. And that's all we need to think about and accept. Yeah. But isn't it also like, I don't know if it's illegal, but like it's against human code to kill dragons. Yeah, they're not supposed to. to. So it's just like another like you're still a student. You're not even like out in the war and like you're not allowed to be doing this. You should not be doing this. You should not like what are you anyway? Well, that's why I'm saying it's just the supreme arrogance. It's in yeah. And now a testament to Violet's character. Mm-hmm. She is willing to mm-hmm. face off against these three bullies in order to simply warn the little golden dragon of the danger. And poor girl on her way to be the hero for this precious little golden snitch with legs. <laughs> she busts her ankle. And this is where we learn of a very interesting trick that she has uh, to deal with the pain. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the past about how we're so impressed with her ability to kind of power through pain and live with pain, which I think is common for people with chronic illness. Yeah. But this is one of the first time where we actually see her coping mechanism, which is to put up a mental wall Mm -hmm. around the pain. And this is obviously to deal with pain that's more than just like scrapes and cuts and bruises. It's really like big, painful injuries that she has. And I want to try this out next time I get get her because I wonder if it actually works. Like I've been trying to mentally picture how do you do this and how do you train yourself to just block off the pain. I mean, there are people who believe that you can and there's like a lot of like – doctors or specialists I guess who like help train your mind to do that like there is that wow that exists whether you believe it or think it's woo woo is another is a whole other conversation but but like people always say the human mind is like way stronger than we give it credit for and like use it for so I don't know I I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a way to to make that division mental shields yeah it's kind of cool <laughs> yeah kind of a cool, cool thought yeah violet finally reaches the little golden dragon mm-hmm. and what is the little golden dragon doing elise chilling tanning yeah enjoying chilling. the sun he's so cute as she frantically tries to convince this little golden dragon to just get on with it yeah. the others show up mm-hmm. and she realizes that it's too late and jack like some psychopath is like don't worry we'll make it painless First off, Jack, how do you know you're going to make it painless? He doesn't have some knowledge of dragon anatomy that's going to make it so that he knows where exactly to kill this dragon so that it's painless. You know what I mean? It's just a good, like, bad guy one-liner. Like, you got to have the bad guy one-liner. No, no, I know. (laughs) But the other thing is, again, just his level of arrogance. Like, what makes him think that he can kill this dragon? Because this dragon may not be the size of a normal dragon, Mm -hmm. but it's still several feet taller than Mm -hmm. he is. So, I don't know. Yeah. I just... I have a lot of questions. Yeah. The dragon also, like, has made, like, understands Violet. Like, 
it list, it heard Violet. It it acknowledged her, so it obviously understands Violet. It's just like, why why are you staying? Yeah, <laughs> like go. <laughs> anyway, the way that I was feeling, what Violet was feeling yeah. when she made the decision to just expose herself, man. I mean, between the throbbing ankle mm-hmm. that she just injured, the fear. Yeah. Ugh, it just this chapter was my heart was racing reading it even on the third time yeah just the pain in her ankle and everything and she like walks it off as if she's not in pain mm-hmm. because she can't show that she's hurt because exactly. obviously they would just come for her and yeah you know and her quickly yeah she's just a force i know i love her so much so all the while jack is taunting violet her focus is on the dragon. Mm-hmm. She's basically sacrificing herself for this little golden dragon to get away. She's not thinking about herself. She's not thinking about the consequences for her. Mm-hmm. And as Violet settles in for a fight, mm-hmm. whose voice do we hear come out of the <laughs> emphasis? Shadows. Yes. Shadow Daddy. Oh, yeah. Satan Ryerson. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where the chapter ends. I know. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, that was uh, that was it. Okay, so let's get into our awards. Yeah. Okay. So romance is up first. When um, Rhiannon and Violet say bye before splitting off, and they're just like good luck, and they give each other a hug, and it's just like their friendship. And yeah, you love that friendship. I love that friendship. <laughs> I am here for it. Yeah. <laughs> My, I also don't have a most romantic line, but I do have a most romantic exchange mm-hmm. and it's when Violet chooses to reveal herself and defend the golden dragon, even though she's hurt and it's three against one. I just think it's so beautiful and such a testament to Violet's character. Yeah. I almost put that. I almost put that too. I thought it was really lovely. The funny award mm-hmm. when Rhiannon says Dane lost his vote when he tried talking you into leaving. Mine is also a Rhiannon line. It's before they split up, and it's when Violet's asking, oh, do you know which dragon kind of you're into? Mm-hmm. And Rhiannon goes, I'm thinking about that green, the one closest to me when they got all up close and personal with you. Well, it didn't eat you, so that's a promising start. <laughs> that Violet says, like, the last bit. Yeah. I thought that that was that kind was of funny. funny. That's good. And Spice. Yep. My scalp prickles as each of our heads swivel in his direction. Mine is... Very, very close to that. It's spicy because of the underlying threat. Yeah. And it's when Zayden goes, I would strongly recommend you rethink your actions. Yeah. Yeah. We we love anything he does. Let's Pretty be much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chapter 14. Let's get the synopsis. Barlow and his boys move into attack Violet. She's quick to strike the first blows with her daggers. Barlow is struck and runs away like the coward that he is. The fight continues, but is ended abruptly as the black dragon appears behind Violet to roast her opponents. The black dragon presents itself as Tarn and invites Violet upon his back. The chapter ends with Violet slipping off Tarn into a freefall. Ooh. That was very good. So much happened. A lot happened. This chapter is very, very meaty. Very exciting chapter. Yeah. The pre-chapter blurb is... From Navarre, an unedited history by Colonel Lewis Markham. And it says, In the six centuries of recorded history of dragon and rider, there have been hundreds of known cases where a dragon simply cannot emotionally recover from the loss of their bonded rider. This happens when the bond is particularly strong and, in three documented cases, has even caused the untimely death of the dragon. So this pre-chapter blurb of chapter 14 discusses the emotional toll of losing a rider on the dragon. And as we've talked about before... A dragon without a rider is a tragedy. See emotional damage from mm-hmm. the blurb. But a rider without a dragon is dead. And we've talked about this a bunch. That a dragon can survive without the human rider. But obviously the rider cannot survive without the dragon. So we're just further deepening the relationship yeah. and reliance of one on the other. Yeah. You went a lot deeper than me on this. I was just like, oh my God, the black dragon's coming back. Like- <laughs> You don't know that from the pre-chapter blurb. Yeah, you do. Because he's the only dragon we know of who lost a rider. And I called it way back when. I was like, it's coming back for Violet. You're more (laughs) intuitive than me. Anyway, I was very (laughs) excited. I could have been wrong, but I... No, no, you were right. You're right. So Jack taunts Zayden because he knows that technically Zayden cannot interfere. But Zayden has a sassy retort. And that is that Jack doesn't have to worry about Zayden intervening, but of Segale. 
Mm-hmm. Because we know that it's impolite to talk to another rider's dragon. Right. But it's logical to think that the dragons can understand whatever everyone is saying around them. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, Jack doesn't need to be speaking directly to Sigil for Sigil to know exactly what's going on. 100%. And again, like it just reinforces that dragons are above humans in their society. It's just like, yeah. I can't interfere, but if he decides to do something. Sigil's a girl. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. I was about to catch that. Yeah. If she decides to do something. Eh. Yeah. And I think this just even further highlights what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, which is that Jack and also Teen and Tynan during the presentation think that they're above dragonkind. Mm-hmm. There is no humility in their behavior that it's actually dragonkind with the power in the relationship and mm-hmm. not humankind. Exactly. But also, okay. So the rule is that like the second and third years can't interfere. Yeah. But like, I'm sorry, Zayden, by your presence, by talking, by being intimidating, yeah. that is interfering. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, the rules already broken. So at this point, who cares? Like just plausible deniability. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> sure. So Violet's talking to the golden dragon and basically asking it for back backup, like blow your fire, use your claws at something. And then only realizes that it doesn't have claws. It has paws. I know. And I know you love where my imagination goes, but I literally cannot picture this other than Golden Clifford the Big Red Dog paws on the golden snitch with legs. This is now, my image in my mind has evolved to the golden snitch with legs, to the golden snitch with legs with Clifford the Big Red Dog's feet. That is ridiculous. But I did, to be honest, also thought, I was just like, oh, it's like a golden retriever. Like it's a big puppy. Yeah. Yeah. So not far off. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I really, I need to like draw it or something. I need. Well, you're more artistic to... than me. So it's going to, we're going to do like, um, you know, when you go to the police station and you have the sketch artist that's trying to reconstruct, you know, like a suspect or whatever. Yeah. That's what you're going to do exactly. just with my mental images. Exactly. Love it. In an impressive feat of skill and speed, as Jack is prepping to attack her, Violet slings a dagger right into his shoulder. And again, Violet does not go for the fatal blow here. She just goes to maim. Mm-hmm. And Jack is crying out in pain. He's basically useless in this fight. And the other two ding-dongs are attacking Violet <laughs> anyway. And it's now three against one, but actually two yeah. against one at this point. And Violet smirks because obviously, you know, given her condition, she is well-versed in pain and where to inflict pain and yeah. how to push through pain. So yeah. she knows that if she's injured, which she is, she can she power can through, yeah. but they Jack can't. Barlow cannot. Oh my God. He went down so fast. I know. Like, I, I'm not saying a dagger to the shoulder is comfortable, but like he went down like a little baby oh, so yeah. quickly and was complaining about it. It's like, what? Did you expect her not to fight back? Like... I know. So ridiculous. I know. Now, useless in the attack due to his shoulder injury, Mm -hmm. big, scary, strong, quote unquote, Jack Barlow runs away from the fight. Yeah. This is such a satisfying moment for me because it contrasts strength and weakness. Because someone who's viewed as weak, Violet, is showing strength of character by defending the vulnerable and strength and spirit by fighting a matchup that the odds are stacked against her. Yeah. And she's injured. So it's even more stacked against yeah. her. Meanwhile, the classically strong character runs away at the first sight of pain or injury. Yeah. So I just just wanted to point that out. It was such a classic bully moment too, though. Like, just like his bark is really big, but like as soon as it's turned on him, he's just like, uh, and runs away crying. Like, Yeah, he can't put his money where his mouth is. I know. Again, like Draco Malfoy. <laughs> wow. I know I do I love Draco to be honest I think he's a great character um he has a somewhat of a redemption arc oh he does I love like it's so I mean I guess kind of a spoiler but I mean if someone hasn't seen Harry Potter at this point it's like 20 years old uh yeah more I think the books but yeah like yeah 30 I think they came out in the 90s like when we were kids I know so yeah when at the end, like, when he, you see his struggle, like, yeah. when you see him, like, struggling internally of, like, I'm being told to do this thing and I don't want to do it and this mm-hmm. isn't right. And then at the end, he, like, actually is, like, no, this isn't right and yeah. stands up for himself or for the right side. Yeah. It's just, like, such a nice, like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big part of why I like him. Anyway. 
Violet actually says at one point, she's like, I'm used to functioning through pain. How about you? Yeah, how about you? And I'm just like, yes, girl. Get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love those little lines that other people may find cheesy or whatever, yeah. but I love them. I mean, yeah, I like a one-liner. Me too. Often one-liners are cheesy, but like it just take it lightly and enjoy it. Like yeah. it's good. It's good. Absolutely. Violet and Oren are battling and then Tina Tynan comes out from behind her and would you believe it? Zayden calls out to warn her of the attack from behind. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Because this could be considered interference. I was about to say, Mr. I'm not going to interfere. Like I, like I said, his presence there is interference. Like anything he says is interference. Like the rule doesn't say necessarily like physical interference. It just says interference. And yeah. that is a form of interference. Like technically he's not allowed to do that. Okay. I love that he did. Yeah, me too. But, you know. Yeah. Nothing wrong with breaking a couple of rules sometimes. <laughs> Why not? So let's take a step back because we need to process a few things. Zayden is now helping his mortal enemy. In a situation where she could be killed and he wouldn't even have to lift a finger, he's trying to do something to stop it? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think I still don't, I don't buy into them as mortal enemies. Like other than the fact that like they have been told they should be, they haven't really demonstrated anything about choosing to be mortal enemies. And I don't know that they've bought into being mortal enemies. Like I know the book is set up to be like their enemies, but I haven't bought into that. Like, I think she's nothing. bought into it in a way that maybe he hasn't, but I still think he has. She's scared. Yeah. And like he, I think is probably confused. Yeah. But like they haven't had like a true enemy other than like circumstantial of like their upbringing. Yeah. Like they're, they haven't had an actual enemy relationship. So I, I have trouble like buying into them as actual I hear en- that. Enemies. I hear that. I guess to my interpretation was that if because of their upbringing, they're meant to be enemies to mm-hmm. me, I just take that as for granted they're enemies and I don't what? really look at it on the personal level, mm-hmm. which is, I think what you're doing is you're yeah. just looking for actual physical concrete evidence and yeah. there isn't, you're right. I think it's just cause I'm an overthinker, but like I exactly a hundred percent. And I think like the purpose and the, the idea is to just buy into them as enemies, enemies. because of the circumstance and they've yeah. been stated as yeah I'm just saying like at a deeper level I don't think they've really demonstrated that yeah so okay fair yeah thing is now (laughs) Violet is in pain yeah she's been injured on top of the ankle injury Mm -hmm. she sustained entering into this encounter Mm -hmm. it's not looking good for her she's like bleeding and she's pretty much given up and she's not even that upset about it because she made Jack Barlow run away. She's like, oh, if I have to die, at least I did it. Yeah. Having Jack Barlow run away like a little coward. Yeah, at least it wasn't at his hand. And like, at least I did that. That is my last thought. I could live with that. Yeah. But I think it's the first time we really see her give up. Give up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think she sees the writing on the wall and mm-hmm. she did her best and she's going down fighting. But at the same time, she's realistic. It's two against one. She's severely injured yeah. to her arm. Yeah. Anyway, seeing that she's all but given up and that she's about to die, Zayden takes a step. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, my heart just fluttered. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden, there's a huge gust of wind mm-hmm. and the big black dragon, who wasn't even going to bond, appears. Yeah. And it talks in her head. Like, boom, boom, boom. Like, Crazy thing after crazy thing after crazy thing happens. I know. I think I like reread that passage multiple times because I was just like, oh my God, did it? Like so much happened and I didn't want to miss a single detail. So uh, it's so satisfying. Do you know what this means? Well, obviously now you know well, what this means. Yeah, but like when you were- as, as soon as he spoke to her, I was like, oh my God, he wants to bond. Or yeah. 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 But, it's wild. I know. And the big black dragon who already is like has a grumpy, sassy vibe. Mm-hmm. Tells her to move aside while he burns Teen and Tynan into a piece of ash, into a piece, into a pile. And number one, bye, Teen and Tynan. Number two, now we don't need to worry about how to pronounce his name because he's gone. Yeah. Short lived. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just so satisfying. And also, it, I mean, obviously, so the dragon wants to bond, uh, but he already was just like, I'm going to also protect her. And like, I was just already, it feels like, wow, this is. 
they have something yeah. already mm-hmm. and we've we just met the dragon. Oh yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. The big black dragon then tells her to kill Orin, who is lying unconscious in this field. And when she says that she can't kill an unconscious man, yeah. Hats off, Violet. I know. I almost for half a second I was like, is was that a test? Like did, no, did I don't he think so. Okay. So he would have wanted to see him dead. I mean he did, probably deserves to, to die, but again, Violet is time and time again. I mean, her character is very clear on the page, yeah. you know, like in every situation. Her her morality is, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So Zayden and Sigail take off, leaving Violet and the big black dragon and the small golden one alone. And the big black dragon looks at her and says, you're bleeding. Stop it. Yeah. And I just find this so funny because her bleeding is an inconvenience yeah. for him. He's just like, oh, we can't be bothered with this. I mean, already their banter, like banter, is great. Oh, from it's amazing. The get-go. They have great chemistry. It's awesome. Yeah. And I just thought, like, okay, big black dragon. It's not as though she can just stop bleeding on command. Like, what does he expect? That's not from how her? humans work. No, I know. It's so funny. I know. It's just he. Yeah. Already, he's like kind of sassy, and um, it's great. I want to point this out because this is when our heated discussion from last week about climbing the dragon really comes into play because we get a detailed description about how the heck Violet is supposed to go up the leg Mm -hmm. and how the gauntlet would have actually, because I was right, prepared her to do so had she been able to do it properly because the dragon ends up having to make a ramp with his leg for her to climb up because she is unable to climb it up properly, even though it's scaly and there are nooks and crannies. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. What? I I don't know. I still don't think a wood ramp is the right choice. That's all. Like, I think that's my biggest thing. Like, I'm picturing a sleek wood ramp, and she describes the scales as being, like, these big scales, and they're hard as stone. Like, why isn't it a rock wall? I don't know. Okay, so your argument is with the material of the ascent and not necessarily the concept of the ascent. Yeah, I don't think a wooden ramp is a good... But is it a wooden ramp? Yeah. She even talks about stabbing the wood. No, she stabs the... It's She sticks the dagger in a rock wall. Oh my God, no. Then I read the whole thing wrong. <laughs> I like pictured a wooden ramp. I'm going to go no, back no. and yeah, read it. Yeah, go back and... I'm okay. like 95% sure because what she does is she sticks the dagger in the rock wall, propels herself up, and then goes back on her stomach to pull it out, and then the dagger is chipped. From having been in the rock wall. Okay, I don't know how to read. <laughs> anyway. No, don't say that. Third time's a charm. No, I know. Okay, this whole time I've been picturing a wooden ramp and I'm just like not here for that. So. Yeah, I would completely agree with you that the wooden ramp makes no sense, but a rock wall makes sense to you. Yeah, because okay. she descri- she literally describes him as rock yeah. or hard as rock. Perfect. Okay, so we agree. <laughs> So our heated discussion has now come to an end. There is peace in the Middle East. <laughs> so he he extends his leg to allow her to kind of like walk up him. And it's very clearly like, and she says it, like dragons never supplicate for anyone. And yet here he is doing that. Yeah. Which is, again, like he he already protected her. He's willing to bow down for her. Yeah. He obviously has a lot of respect for her. Absolutely. And wasn't willing to bond, and now he is. Like, it's just... We have a lot of questions to have answered, eh? Yeah. 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 As Violet sets herself up on the dragon's back, she realizes, maybe her realization is solidified, that her body is not meant to ride a dragon, let alone this one, because it's the second biggest dragon in the veil. Yeah. I don't know if we know that yet, but yeah, we do, from yeah, Dragon yeah, 101. Yeah, from Dragon 101. So let's talk about the body type that would be made for riding a dragon. Okay. Obviously, you would need to be tall because mm-hmm. that would make climbing up the leg a lot easier than what Violet had to do. Because we have to assume that what the black dragon is doing for Violet is not the norm. We know mm-hmm. that, the, what you just read, the quote that you just read. We would assume that you would need strong legs, particularly strong inner thighs, yeah. to hold onto your seat. And then we could assume that you also need a strong upper body to hold onto the pommel. Mm-hmm. She has none of these things. Mm-hmm. And as we prepare to take, take off, the dragon reveals his full name to Violet. Would you like to attempt to read the full name? Oh, I didn't even write it down. I'm not even going to attempt. I think I came across a video of like uh, Rebecca Yaros talking about the pronunciation or the way she pictured the pronunciation throughout 
the, the book, but I didn't listen because I was like, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm sure I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we could have definitely had a decisive answer on Tina and Tynan's name pronunciation. We just chose not to. chose not to. <laughs> As they enter the skies, Violet realizes how difficult it'll be for her to keep her seat. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. the chapter ends with her falling <laughs> into the abyss. Free falling. Yeah. Um, yep. Exciting chapter, though. <laughs> yeah. Picking my awards this week was so tough because I love Taryn Tarn. And yeah. he has so many good lines. Yeah. The banter is so good. It, it rivals the banter with Zayden. Oh, Yeah. I, I'm very excited to get more of this banter, yeah. and which I would imagine we're going to get a lot of it because he's in her head. Yeah, exactly. So. so awards? Yep, let's do it. Romance. Mm-hmm. Again, wasn't really like romance for romance, but when Violet says, I can't kill an unconscious man. I went the right after that, yeah. where he T- Taryn goes, he would kill you if given the same chance, and Violet looks down at Orin still unconscious, and she says... Well, that's a statement on his character, not mine. Yeah. So we were very much in line yeah, there. Yeah. I love that. I almost did the whole passage too, but I was like, that's too long. But yeah, no, it's... You take <laughs> as long as you want. If you want to read half the chapter as your most romantic line, you do it. Have we heard me read out loud? I can't do oh, it. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. <laughs> and then funny. Yep. You can't interfere. Tina shouts at Zayden. No, but I can narrate. I picked the same one. I love it when we're in sync. That's so me fun. Too, okay, too. let's see if we pick the same spiciest line. Zayden looks towards me, and I swear I could see his jaw clench, even from this far away. Okay, we didn't pick the same one, but I like that one a lot. I picked a sassy spicy, and it's when Violet yells at Jack. That's the thing about having weak joints. You know exactly where to strike. Yeah. So, sassy size. It was sassy, good. Yeah, sa- no. Spicy sassy. Yeah, it was a great Great line. It's funny. I I think I also, I wrote the jaw clench one because of the video you sent me. Yeah. That's such a good one. (laughs) Which we'll have to We'll have to do a reaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be for sure. Because apparently the videos that are videos that do best are the ones where we react to really attractive men. Imagine that. Attractive Mm. men doing really well on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) We have great results. We do have good results on ours. People have been very supportive and we appreciate it. Yes. We're just snarky. All right, so we're at chapter 15. Stuck in a free fall, Violet is plummeting to her death. Taryn catches her, obviously seeing something in Violet worth saving. The two of them make an impressive entrance to a stunned audience. While Violet shares her dragon's name at roll call, a second, the golden one, uh, jumps in too. Violet has bonded not only one, but two dragons yay snaps for violet (laughs) so good yeah okay before we jump in the pre-chapter blurb Mm -hmm. this comes from the book of brennan just because you survive threshing doesn't mean you'll survive the ride to the flight field being chosen isn't the only test if you can't hold your seat then you'll fly straight into the ground which is not true (laughs) for violet i mean at this point like we know she's not going to die in the middle of the book. There was too much book yeah. left. Like, that would be the most, sh- like, shocking thing of life. It's just, again, it's a testament to, like, is Violet really made to be a writer? I don't know. Well, she's but, clearly not. But there's a reason she's there. But there's a reason she's which there. Which we will hopefully find out in this book or the next. Or yeah. the one after that. Or the one after that. Or the one after yeah, that. Or, like, the last one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to be reading a lot of lines from this chapter because okay. the exchanges between Violet and, and Taryn are just too good there are just so many lines that are so fantastic so the chapter picks up right where violet left off and she's in free fall and then at one point she feels this like invisible power pull her up into taryn's claws Mm -hmm. and he goes you're making us look bad stop it (laughs) and she realizes she's actually in this clause which is weird because usually if a writer can't hold their seat like the book of brennan said they die as with all things in this school. And I find it really funny because right away, Taryn and Violet enter this kind of adversarial rapport. So it's this contradictory kind of relationship because they're adversarial, but they also have this great chemistry. Yeah. And I find it so fun and different and cute. And I I just, because again, he's kind of like over it. Like he's like, okay, first you're bleeding too much. Now you're making us look bad. And it's just like, dude, you chose to bond with her. He's so grumpy. And actually what's really funny is Rebecca Yaros revealed that 
Taryn's character is based on her English bulldog who passed away before the book was published. Oh. And she's like, English bulldogs apparently are like really grumpy dogs. Okay. I have a multi-poo who looks like a teddy bear. He's so cute. And he is the grumpiest old man dog. He's three. Yeah. And he... He's very grumpy. He's so grumpy. He's, <laughs> so. Got, he's got sleepy eyes right now, though. Does he? Yeah, slow blinks. Aww. So Violet calls him a curmudgeon. Yeah. And I died. I was like, that word is not used enough in life. We should bring that curmudgeon and use it. because Frank is a curmudgeon. <laughs> Frank is a curmudgeon. Uh, it's just such a good word. And like a word that I had like almost forgotten about. And yeah. then I like laughed out loud when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute. I love that. So good. Violet's mind is going a mile a minute and she's trying to figure out what the heck just happened because she remembers from Dragon 101 Mm -hmm. that this black dragon hadn't agreed to bond for five years. Mm -hmm. And while this is happening, Taryn goes, now get in the seat and actually hold on this time or no one's going to believe that I've actually chosen you. And she goes, I still can't believe you've chosen me. And he, the just, the exchange is so funny. Like he just, he tells her, you're going to have to strengthen your legs. Didn't you practice? And she's like, of course I practiced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, well, she does say at one point, she's like, I just didn't think it'd get yeah. this far. And like, I just find like her whole interior monologue was very much like the excitement and fear that I was feeling reading it too. Like I was just like, oh my God, it happened. Yeah. Oh my God. It, okay. But now she's going to die because she's falling. And then, oh my God, he saved her. But why did he save her? Like my inner monologue yeah, was going, you're a, going a mile a minute too. A hundred percent. And when Taryn starts to scold her about keeping her seat and Violet turns around and is like, I know I'm not as strong as the others. And he goes, I know exactly who and what you are, Violet Sorengale. Tears, 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 tears. Yeah. I I love that. Like he, again, this is an opportunity for Violet to have someone else in her corner, number one. But this is someone else who sees in her what she doesn't necessarily see in herself. Yeah. And I think it's so beautiful. For sure. Next thing we know, yeah. there are invisible bonds in place to hold her over her legs in her seat. Yeah. And instead of feeling gratitude, she feels guilt. Yeah. She apologizes. Because, like what you were just saying. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't think I would make it this far. Yeah. Because she's like, oh, he shouldn't have to use his powers for this. He should be able to focus it elsewhere. And like, because again, she just feels like she's not stacking up, mm-hmm. which is. Especially kinda... for him because he's such a powerful and impressive. Yeah dragon and when he goes i didn't think i would either so we have that in common i know well i know <laughs> i just oh. it just like like you said like he obviously sees her and i think it's just a testament to their bond and and what we've been saying from the beginning is like this bond that we've heard so much about must be something that is so deep and true yeah and like already within like a page and a half we're seeing how deep and true it seems to be, you know, mm-hmm. which is really lovely. I don't know if that's common though. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think it's common because I mean, it's not really a spoiler, but we're going to find out in the next couple chapters that this initial bonding period is actually the, one of the most vulnerable times for a dragon and their rider because mm-hmm. their bond is not strong enough yet. Oh. So it's interesting. That it seems to that be, it seems so, to be so strong. For yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, side note. Yeah. Like, while all this is happening, I'm like, how did he... I mean, obviously, there's something I don't know yet. Yes, there's but something like, you don't know yet. But I was like, how did he know all this about Violet? I'm like, is did he... Was he, like, hiding in the mountains watching, like, the the presentation day or like did he gather his information for other dragons and like how how does he know about her how does he know exactly who she is like yeah so many questions yeah what I will say without spoiling anything for you because those are all very valid questions is that you have to assume that the dragons have a means of communicating amongst themselves yeah for sure which is why like I'm like did he hear it like about hear about her from other dragons like I don't know anyway I don't know my lips are sealed as they should be. Yep. <laughs> As they fly, Violet actually sees another rider unable to hold their seat, mm-hmm. and that that dragon just let them go. Ruthless. Yeah. Ruthless. It was just like, sorry, not worth it. Which I guess goes with what you're saying is like their bond isn't there yet. Yeah. Because like I would think in a war situation, if a rider were to fall, like at that point in the relationship, a dragon would maybe make the effort <laughs> to save their rider, you know? Yes. Like later down the line in a bond. Yes. You know? Yes. Now Taryn goes, we're going to have to put on a show. Oh, yeah. And then he says, you will not fall. I will not allow it. I know. And then the bonds, 
or the bands that are around her legs extend to her hands to hold on to the yeah. invisible invisible yes yeah. uh, to hold on to the pommel and he says you will trust me and while the acrobatics that he proceeds to perform are terrifying Violet is also exhilarated and this is such a rewarding moment for us as readers because for the last 14 chapters we've been on her journey with her feeling insecure scared she wasn't gonna make it and now not only did she make it she made it spectacularly bonding with the biggest dragon available and she's having a good time it was all meant to be and it was all worth it yeah and she yeah, she loves it. She's like, oh my God, this is the feeling of riding a dragon. This is yeah. this is what I've been waiting for and yeah. tra- and and working towards. And she loves it. It's and so beautiful. Yeah, my heart just like oh, it, I'm so happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> so then as they arrive into the canyon, she spots the little golden dragon mm-hmm. and she's like, eh, maybe they didn't that little dragon didn't bond this year. Mm -hmm. And Violet has a thought that I think gets to the root of the dynamic between human and dragon. It comes down to the mutual respect. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, superiority of dragon kind over humankind. She thinks that maybe it was because like we humans aren't so great and that dragon kind of realized it. Mm -hmm. And then the next exchange she has with Taryn kind of further sticks to that point because when she asks him why he chose her, He says it's because she saved the little golden dragon. Yeah, which I loved so much. Because basically, I mean, she's worked hard for this, but like the the core of the reason that she bonded is because of her heart yeah. and because she did things her way. And it's her character that like propelled her forward yeah. and, and sealed the deal. And she still doesn't get it. She's like, but dragons value cunning and ferocity in their riders, none of which defines me. And he goes, please do tell me what I should value. (laughs) Oh, I I love it. But then he later says that strength of courage is more important than physical strength. I want to put that on a t-shirt. Oh, I love that. We could do that. Yeah. We could put it on a t-shirt. We'd have to find out how that works. I've had t-shirts printed before. No, I know. But with licensing and stuff. Oh, because it's a quote. Mm. Okay. TBD. So at this point, oddly, out of all of the parts in the book so far, this is what got me the most weepy. And I know you're going to know what I'm talking about when I say this, uh, but it gave me the same feeling as at the end of the Philosopher's Stone movie when Dumbledore gives Neville the 10 points that clinch the house cup for Gryffindor and that everybody cheers. I just, I get so, I get so emotional at that because it's the underdog who wins basically. Mm-hmm. So when Violet and Taryn land and there's a quote, ferocious war of celebrate, roar of celebration that goes up among the dragons as they fly in. And I just think that it's all the dragons who must know how tough the last five years have been for Taryn. And they're so happy for him to have bonded again. And also the major respect they have for him since he's one of the biggest of them all. Yeah. And, and known to be a like good fighter or or something like there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just his size. It's like who he is. Yeah. 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 He, he's a prized dragon in the veil. Mm-hmm. And when Violet has this negative thought that Taryn is the most celebrated dragon in the veil and she's the weakest rider in the quadrant, he squashes that thought immediately. Yeah. He goes, you're the smartest of your, you're the most cunning. Yeah. And then he says what you just said. Yeah. You defended the smallest with ferocity and strength of courage is more important than strength than physical strength. And, yeah. and he says, since you apparently needed to know that before you left, like he knows what she needs yeah. and he gives it to her even yeah. begrudgingly. <laughs> He gives it to her. He gives it to her with an eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> and we love him for but it. But you know what? Who cares? As I long know. as he gives it to her. That's all that it's matters. so good. I'm already like in love with this dragon. It's so, ugh, this chapter. She also, so before even getting there, one of her thoughts is like, oh my God, my mom's going to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's like already at the back of her mind, like a bit eating her away that she's like, oh, I have to like, my mom's going to see this. Yeah. Like what is going to go down? How is she going to react? Like though we don't see that inner monologue just the fact that like that is her thought despite everything else in the chapter yeah that has been happening like that is her thought she's yeah. like oh my god my mom's gonna be there we'll see how her mom reacts in a few short minutes yep when she comes to dismount the other dragons have a visible palpable reaction to Taryn's decision to supplicate before her and you know big strong bold Taryn is like ignore them yeah 
He's so self-assured that he doesn't give a hoot about what anyone thinks. He seems so good for her. Yeah. Like, oh, it's great. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's going to be a very fruitful relationship. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So she reaches the little golden dragon Mm -hmm. after exiting Taryn's personal space Mm -hmm. and talks to it saying that she's glad that it survived, but she chastises it for not flying off (laughs) because she didn't realize that it could. Yeah. Anyway. And then... The golden dragon talks back to her. I know. And there, like we said before, there's a rule that dragons shouldn't be talking to random people. I know. They're only supposed to talk to their rider. I know. So when, as soon as the golden dragon spoke to her, I was like, I got teary eyed. I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, like what, how is this possible? Like they have a bond too. Like I was like, I don't understand. Like I was like, Oh my God, what, what's going on? Yeah, like, plot twist. Yeah, I know. Plot twist. Uh, I got all teary eyed, like very excited. Um, we're two really weepy girls. <laughs> oh, I, we've said it before. Yeah. I cry at everything. Same. Everyone in leadership is shocked about Taryn and command and Panchek is about to say Taryn's name when Violet's mom says, no, 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 don't say it. Not until she does. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? Because there are two theories out there about why the mom said this. Do you want me to explain what the two theories are? Do you want to give me your thoughts first? No, yeah. Tell me what the two theories are. So one theory is that she doesn't want someone else to say it. To take it away from her? To take the moment away mm-hmm. from Violet or to for there to be a reason that the bonding would be illegitimate. Mm-hmm. So she is, in fact, protecting her daughter's best interests. Mm-hmm. That's one side. And the other side is the complete opposite where she doesn't actually believe in the bond. That that was where my head went. I was like, really? oh, I, she still doesn't fully believe in her side note yeah i know you love my side notes yes i forgot that her name was lilith yeah and in this moment and this chapter and stuff i was just like oh my god her name she's so well named do you know who lilith is in like lore lore no yeah so she's like this demon oh okay (laughs) she's a she's like a demon of like chaos and darkness and in i want to say judaism but if i'm wrong i'm really really sorry uh, was thought to be Adam's first wife. What? Yeah. And turned, like, evil or whatever. Whoa. Yeah. So I could be, like, a bit wrong on the Judaism part, like, okay. mi- mixing up that story. But the Adam's first wife thing, for sure, and also known as a demon of, like, darkness and chaos. And I was like, well, isn't she well-named? Wow, this interesting. sunshine of a woman. <laughs> interesting. Okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. Cool. No comment. Um, <laughs> when Violet officially names Taryn, he goes, pronunciation, can you use some work? And I just lulled. I just thought that was funny. I mean, I think we could all use work on oh my that goodness. pronunciation. Yeah, seriously, we all need a phonetic spelling of all of these yeah. names. Yeah. I'm guessing it's like, it's Celtic? Is it not? No, it's... It, or Gaelic? Okay, it's Gaelic or Ga- Gaelic. Gaelic. There's this... No, because there, I, I didn't know this, but there are two different languages. Gaelic and Gaelic and Gaelic are two oh. completely different things. That's where all of the controversy comes from. Wow, we're gonna stay okay. out of that though. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. we need someone to properly pronounce it. Yeah, we just need to do our research. Yeah. Instead of watching videos of handsome men. <laughs> <laughs> then, jaw on the floor, we hear the golden dragon give Violet her name too. And the person who's, like, marking all of the dragon's names, I guess, gathering the evidence of the bonding, her eyes fly wide. Mm -hmm. Both dragons, she squawks, Mm -hmm. Violet nods, and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. What a great ending for a chapter, right? I know. It's like like, that last sentence, all hell breaks loose. I'm like, what hell? What do you mean? And I can't keep reading. I know. (laughs) I mean, it's a cliffhanger, but it's not, like... It's no, not, I know, but I imagine just like, if I made you stop at chapter fourteen when she falls. To free her, falling? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I have a heart. No, I know, but I was just like, oh, I want, like, I'm just excited to hear, get into the meat of everyone's reactions, and like, like, has this ever been done before? Has anyone ever bonded two dragons, let alone like in the same moment? Like, what? <gasps> well, apparently not, because this woman who's taking down the notes is shocked that yeah. both dragons. Yeah, it's so. and again. In that moment, I cried. Like those last few sentences, I was crying. I was really? so happy. Yeah. I was That's just sweet. so happy for Violet. I'm going to cry right now. 
<laughs> no, but I was just like, the struggle that this poor girl has had. I know. And like, not only one dragon, but two dragons. So see her for who she is, which like us as readers have seen who she is, but like very few people believe in her. Yep. And like in a situation that it really matters, like two souls saw her. And I think that's really beautiful. Aw, if Frank weren't on my lap, I would give you a hug. <laughs> because, because this guy, uh, yeah. he'd be really mad if I disturbed him. Anyway. But I'm giving you a hug from here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, You're I guess so it cute. just ties in with like, I've said it before, like being seen and being understood is so yeah. important to me. And like, so I was just so happy that it happened for her. Yeah. In mm. the biggest F-U way it could. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I know. Okay, our last awards of the episode. Oh, actually. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Jump back a little, little bit. Violet sees the way her mom is reacting and has a moment and says, fuck her. Yeah. She gets really mad, which I think is, again, a testament to how the college changes you. Because at the beginning, and we've always said, like, oh, the program changes you and you when you become a writer, like, it changes you. But at the beginning, she, like a bit feared her mom. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to run away for fear of what her mom would do. And like for the first time ever, like she's, she sees her mom and she doesn't agree with the way her mom's behaving. And she's like, you know what? Like, I'm done. Screw this. I'm done. Yeah. So again, it's just like Violet has evolved and strengthened so much. In only 15 chapters. So imagine by the end of the book. Yeah. I know. Okay, we could get into our awards now. All right, let's do it. What's first? Love or romance. Okay. Because you saved her. Taryn talking about the reason why he chose Violet. Yeah, I love that. Mine is in line with what I was saying last week about your most important relationship being the one with yourself. And it's when she says, I can't stop the smile on my face or the joy that stings my eyes at the sight of the other first year standing in front of their dragons. I'm alive and I'm no longer a cadet. I'm a rider. Yeah. Yeah. Chills. Chills. Oh, so good. Yeah. Funny. Mm-hmm. You're making us look bad. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's another turn one, and it's, there's no need to shout. I can hear you just fine. The entire mountain can probably hear you. Because <laughs> she's not used to I, the communication. Yeah, I feel like from here on out, every funny quote is just going to come from him. <laughs> Very likely. Yeah. Spicy. Uh, so I went sassy spicy. Yeah. And it's simply Violet saying, fuck her. Yeah. About her mom. Yeah. I couldn't really find a, a spicy sassy or a spicy spicy line this this chapter. I was just so in, in my feels. Yeah. I just couldn't pick. So <laughs> thank you for picking one for the two of us. <laughs> for next week, please read chapters 16, 17, and 18. And thank you so much for listening. Please rate this podcast and leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. You can follow us on Instagram at bookboundpod and on TikTok at bookboundbesties. Please tag us in your reaction videos or if you're reading along with us pretty much in anything, we're really enjoying communicating with people in our DMs and seeing our mentions in other people's stories. It's really fun and it makes us feel like we're really building a community. We've recently just hit... 11,000 followers which is crazy and it's so much fun and we're having a blast so thank you and do you want to say anything sorry no you're you're speaking for the both of us I feel the same way okay good (laughs) as always if you have any questions comments or feedback please email us at bookboundpod at gmail.com let's get to reading. reading